This episode may contain mature content. Listener discretion is advised. Content warnings can be found in the episode description. We are the Lab Doctors. I'm Amanda. I'm Dorothy. And I'm Zhao Yong. We are biomedical researchers who realised we still have a lot to learn about science. So why not join us on this quest? Hey everyone, welcome back to the Lab Doctors podcast. So this week, we're going to be talking about... Drowning. What? Wait, you said fun. Oh yeah, I said fun. But that's because recently I'm very addicted to this YouTube channel called Bondi Rescue. Oh, oh, right. right. Okay, have you okay, yeah, watched no, it you, before? No, you, you mentioned, you it, mentioned before. it before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because, okay, which I will go into it a bit. Okay. So there'll be a lot of Bondi Rescue references. So if you want to follow up, you can watch the entire channel. I am at season four, episode something. Okay. Okay, so basically the lifeguards, you know, Bondi Beach in Sydney. Yeah, and they save them on like surfboards because yes. it's a surfing place. Oh. So they have a camera on their surfboards mm-hmm. and they also have dedicated like people recording what the lifeguards are doing. Okay. Okay, so what happens when you drown? Do you actually think about it? No. Uh, water fills the lungs so you can't breathe, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's also like secondary drowning, you know, like you are. <gasps> I'll go into that later. Okay, yeah, so I always wondered, like, when you hear the news of people drowning, like how, just the thought of it is very, very scary. Like how you're so helpless and just water entering your lungs. Like, mm. yeah. So I found a review paper that summarized and concluded that there are six stages of drowning. Oh my god. So, in the first stage, there's struggle to keep the airway clear of water. Yes. Okay, so this stage lasts for about 20 to 60 seconds for those who cannot swim. And for those who can swim, it starts after the failure to continue swimming. Mm. So this is when you are maybe tired or whatever. And this is observed when you see the swim stroke length shorten and your stroke frequency increase. The person becomes more upright in water and the person looks like they're treading water instead of swimming. Mm. And also occasionally they go underwater. Right. So this process of struggling to keep the airway clear of water is actually faster in cold water due to your superficial muscles and nerves being cool and more difficult to move. The transition from swimming to struggling to keep the airway clear of water is subtle and often not detected, which is why it's very important for the lifeguards to know how to detect. And like in general, like people in general to notice if someone's drowning so that they can help or so or they can like Mm. signal for help. Because if you imagine it's like 20 to 60 seconds for people who can't swim or like if you're in like dangerous conditions, it's very short. Mm. So Bondi Rescue Reference. They said in the channel that, like, how do they tell whether people are drowning? Because there's, like, thousands of people at the beach. Yeah. So they said, like, people who are drowning have a certain look. They face inland, so they face the shore. They raise their hands, they keep their bodies upright, and sometimes they can call for help. So, yeah, it's quite different, like, if someone's having fun versus someone's drowning. Although sometimes, like, their heads are always going underwater, right? Like, the waves come crashing on you. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, apparently there are like YouTube videos like spot the drowning kit for lifeguards, lifeguards to train. Okay. I thought yeah. like a game. No, 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 no. Oh my God. I mean. That so morbid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so stroke lengths decrease, stroke frequency increase. Yes. Right. Facing inward to shore. And then you are standing upright and yeah. like reaching out. Okay, so what's third, the next stage? Third. Oh, is it second, the second. 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 Okay. The second stage is initial submersion and breath holding. So this stage is affected by your breath hold time. Mm-hmm. Breath hold time is variable across individuals and is affected by a lot of factors. And guess what factors affect how long you can hold your breath? Your lung capacity. Okay. Whether you have any underlying respiratory condition. Mm. Okay, sounds good. But more importantly, during a drowning event, whether you are fatigued already from mm. struggling, uh, 
And also something that we wouldn't take note of is your clothing. Because like if you're fully dressed, mm-hmm. it'll be very heavy compared to wearing swimsuits. Right. Yeah. And that actually pulls you down. That makes you more tired. Right. That makes saving lives harder. Right, 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 right. And again, water temperature. Mm. So in the cold, your breathing rate increase due to this thing called the cold shock response from sudden cooling of the skin. Like if you imagine every time you go into cold water, like a cold swimming pool, then you usually will breathe a little bit faster. Yes, yes, I think so. Never realized. Okay, try it. Okay, Bondi Rescue reference. <laughs> so there was this episode where the lifeguards actually measured the temperature of the beach water. And I think their threshold was 16 degrees or something Celsius. And they Whoa. were like, this is so cold. Yeah. This is a day to worry because it's like people can suffer from hypothermia. And then I guess, of course, there yeah. might be more incidents of drowning, drowning right. as well. So how long do you think you can hold your breath? I can't hold my breath that long. Maybe like 30 seconds. Yeah, 30, 40 seconds. Okay, I tried yesterday and I also thought 30 seconds, but I did 53. Whoa. Wow. Yeah. But I know people can hold for like a minute. Yeah, I think that's the rare few, like, yeah. like if you it, train or what. Yeah, it depends on the, you need to train and also the energy expenditure. Yeah. So if you're yeah. like really completely relaxed, you can actually like hold, hold it your breath for a longer, longer. But if you're like struggling to like mm, keep yourself above, uh, above the water, water. You yes. Can't like, yes, yeah. y'all make so much sense. So in a lab, they measured like 45 to 60 seconds for a normal person. Okay. And yeah, if you're struggling, it'll be definitely lesser. Mm. So now what happens after you finish holding your breath? You'll try to breathe. Correct. So this is an involuntary action that causes the aspiration or entry of water into your lungs. So the lethal dose for water in the lungs is about 22 milliliters per kg for salt water and 44 mils per kg for fresh water. So it is 1.3 liters and 2.6 liters for a 60 kg person on average. So why salt water you need less is because it's more unabsorbed in the lung and it causes increased pulmonary pressure and causes earlier failure of the heart. Okay, stage three is aspiration of water. So at the end of holding your breath, when you are likely to gasp or breathe in water, the water enters the pharynx, which is the hollow tube inside the neck that starts behind your nose and ends above the windpipe. Okay. So the water entering your pharynx can trigger swallowing. Mm. Swallowing of water may explain the high incidence of vomiting in drowning victims. So, Bondi Rescue Reference. For those drowning cases that I have watched on the channel, right? Like, yeah. the more serious drowning cases usually try to vomit. Like, when they are pulled out of the water, they will, like, be coughing or, like, they will want to puke. Yeah. And the lifeguards will lie the patients on their side so that water doesn't enter their lungs. Yeah. In some cases, they have this thing, which I can't remember what it's called, but like they put it in their mouth, I think to keep the tongue in place so that you can allow the water to just keep coming out of the mouth. It's it's Mm. super cool. So during and after swallowing, so your body's natural reflex is to not get water into the lungs. Okay. But with so much, water can enter the lung and hypoxia-induced relaxation of your larynx will eventually permit water to be aspirated into the lungs. Mm. Stage four is time to unconsciousness. Oh, Oh, right. okay. Okay. So when the lungs are flooded with water, obviously gas exchange cannot occur. Mm. Unconsciousness is usually generally thought to occur when the oxygen saturation in the blood falls to 50 or 60%. Also, the rate of oxygen consumption can affect the supply of oxygen in your body and therefore the time to unconsciousness. So your body has reservoirs of oxygen such as in the blood where it's bound to hemoglobin but of course the lung is the largest reserve of oxygen. So the rate of oxygen consumption is again affected by cold water and less clothing protection. 
So when we talk about clothing, it's not normal clothing. We talk about like your swimsuits and whether they are skin tight, yeah. whether they are long sleeve, short sleeve, that kind of thing. Mm. Don't ever wear normal clothes into the water. Okay, so without oxygen, your body first goes into hypoxia, which is low levels of oxygen in your body tissues. Mm-hmm. Then hypoxemia. So this is below normal levels of oxygen in your blood, specifically in the arteries. And then finally, anoxia. This is when the body or brain completely loses its supply of oxygen. So when anoxia happens, there's depletion of brain energy reserves, failure in brain energy metabolism, deterioration of brain function, loss of consciousness, and irreversible injury to the brain cells. Mm. Yep. Bondi rescue reference. Since the O2 levels are quite deterministic of unconsciousness, what I observe is that usually, okay, so this is always like my inference from the show. Uh-huh. The lifeguards usually give oxygen supply, so you know they wear the O2 mask. Yeah. yeah. To people who are drowning, I think it helps to restore the oxygen levels in the body quickly. Right, right. Okay, stage five. Time to cardiorespiratory arrest. So cardiorespiratory arrest is the cessation of the beating of your heart and yes. breathing. Yes. So after you stop struggling, your blood pressure starts to drop. And at this stage, apnea occurs. Apnea is when muscles and soft tissue in the throat relax and collapse sufficiently to cause a total blockage of the airway. Your blood pressure then drops to zero after an average of 262 seconds. 262. <laughs> About four That's minutes? Like four or five minutes, yeah. And finally, stage six is death. The good thing is, the earlier someone is rescued from drowning, the better chance of survival, yeah. obviously. <laughs> yeah. Spielman et al. concluded that the risk of death or severe neurological impairment after hospital discharge is nearly 100% when the duration of submersion exceeds 25 minutes. So your brain activity and therefore the metabolism and oxygen demand fall by 6 to 7% for each degree Celsius fall in deep body temperature. Interestingly, when drowning takes place in very cold water, which is less than 6 degrees Celsius, the aspiration of water may, by cooling the lungs, heart and blood supply to the brain, produce selective brain cooling and therefore extend the hypoxic survival time to over 60 minutes. That means if you drown in very, very cold waters, less than 6 degrees here, you might have a higher chance of yeah, survival yeah. Oh. after a longer period of time. Wow. It's like cryopreservation. Yeah, kinda. a little bit. Bondi rescue reference. So sadly, like there was a case of a man who was reported missing one hour after he was last seen by his family. So actually, lifeguards already spotted him when he looked like he was drowning. But when they actually went there to save him, for some reason, they couldn't find him. Right. Which is very unusual for someone's drowning to go under so deep. That's what the lifeguard said. So they continued their search for like, I can't remember how long, maybe 15 minutes or so. But they couldn't find any person drowning. So they concluded that, okay, maybe it's something else that they saw. So they stopped. But then when the family came to report, they basically deep dive and then they found him stuck somewhere under the uh-huh. water. Mm. And even though it was so long, they still had to treat him as a re- recent drown event. So they still had to do CPR for I think 30 minutes according to their protocol before he could be pronounced dead. But basically it's because they don't know how long he has died. Yeah, you can't, It could be five minutes ago. It could be one assume, hour. Yeah. yeah. So it's quite a sad story for that. Okay, and now we'll go a little bit into dry or secondary drowning. Dry drowning is also known as post-immersion syndrome. So this happens when entry of water into the pharynx can trigger transient laryngeal spasm or bronchospasm. Laryngeal spasm is the condition where the vocal cords close over the windpipe to prevent water from entering the lungs. Mm-hmm. This involuntary reflex can continue even out of water, causing breathing difficulties in mild cases and may restrict oxygen to the lungs in severe cases. This is known as dry drowning because water does not actually enter your lungs. So it's like a reflex Uh that continues after the drowning. 
Pulmonary edema or secondary drowning occurs when one inhales water into the lungs. So it's not like swallowing, it's really breathing in the water into the lungs. Right. And even a small amount of water, which is about like six tablespoons of water for children, can cause this effect. So when water enters the lungs, it causes inflammation and irritation. One will feel difficulty in breathing. And this will trigger an immune response to protect your lungs. And that's when even more fluid from your bloodstream enter the lung and cause pulmonary edema. This only worsens the condition and can lead to cardiac arrest or death. And this can occur up to three days after the initial water incident. Yeah, I think that's the scary part because the person seems fine and then like suddenly they like collapse. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, so there are many symptoms like chest pains, difficulty breathing, fever, flu, headache, sleepiness, shortness of breath, etc. But Bondi Rescue Reference is that for those who have been very close to drowning, they always encourage them to still get an ambulance, go to hospital or get themselves checked out Mm. because of this secondary drowning. Yeah. Right. But often people refuse because they just think that once they're out of water, they're safe. Yeah. Really? That they're fine. Yes. Okay. yes. So there's always this thing to be careful about. Mm. So don't be complacent, basically. Right. That's so cool. I mean, it's interesting to learn about, but it's unfortunate yeah, that it happens. It's super useful, I think. Mm. Yes. You should watch Bondi Rescue. Can watch I'll it through you. <laughs> Thanks for all the tips. <laughs> and as usual, subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on Spotify. A like and a comment would really help us out. You can also follow us on our social media, Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, and feel free to DM us any questions. Alternatively, you can email us at thelabdoctors at gmail.com. We'll post the links in the episode description so you can check that out. Thanks. Bye. Oh my god, the ocean is so scary. Yes, Sorry. Oh my god. I don't want to get into this, but the ocean scares me. So. Yes, it does too. Don't even think about the creatures at the bottom of yes. the ocean. Just be how deep feet. the ocean is. Think about how dirty it is and filled with like bacteria and, and like, plastics. Freaking fish and like jellyfish sperm. Like sponge sperm. Whale sperm. Everywhere. Sperm whales Pee. as well. Yeah. <laughs> Pee poo. Rubbish. Why do people go in the ocean? I don't know. It's disgusting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, nowadays when I think of the beach, I'm like, I don't really want to go in to swim anymore.